From Studio P, Sausalito, home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. The number one comedy podcast about comedy... Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast commentator, Mark Hershon. Yes, it's your humble host, Mark Hershon, and welcome to Epi 31 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. And I am coming to you once again from my car. Yeah, it's the uh, middle of the day. I had to slip out of my office for a while. Uh, so I'm in my car, also known as my Fiat Recording Studio. But next episode, I will be back at Studio P with engineer producer Joe Polino and a special guest host. That's right. And that's next time. This time I've got some clips and a very interesting interview with a young filmmaker. A very young filmmaker, 16, to be exact, by the name of Dylan Price. More on that coming up, but first, let's get to some biz. A quick thanks to those who have been kind enough to rate and review Suckatash up on iTunes. You, you have been, right? I thought so. So thanks. Also, please keep giving us a thumbs up on Stitcher Smart Radio. And you can like our Suckatash Show page on Facebook. Finally, don't be afraid to follow us at Suckatash Show on Twitter. I've said Suckatash a lot. Here's how you spell it. S-U-C-C-O-T-A-S-H. Uh, this week over on Splitsider.com, you can see my review of The Nerdist number 240 with their special guest, Will Farrell. Will Farrell! That's in This Week in Comedy Podcasts over there, hosted by Jesse David Fox. Just go to splitsider.com, or you can click on it from the link on our home site at succotashshow.com. You can contact us anytime you like. Uh, email, it's mark, M-A-R-C, at succotashshow.com, or info at succotashshow.com. Uh, Facebook, where we've uh, got the page told you about. We've also got the Succotash hotline. You're welcome to call. I'll have a, uh, a recording from a call into the hotline later this show. The number there is 818-921-7212. You can call that anytime, and our voicemail will be happy to record your voice. Let's get into the clippage for today's episode 31. We're going to start off with a Monday morning podcast by comedian Bill Burr. I really enjoy Bill's Monday morning podcast, although I haven't had the opportunity to really play much on the show here before. It's the simplest of frameworks. It's a man and his recorder. Very bare bones, and Bill rambles on, not overly concerned with being funny, as he seems to just want to be engaging. In this clip, he talks about his concerns for his neighborhood now that he's a homeowner and not just a renter. I saw three people in my neighborhood just sitting in a car, and I just immediately assumed that they were pieces of shit. They had tattoos. They were smoking cigarettes. They just looked like scumbags. And I was sitting there going, well, they're kind of sort of white, so that's not racist, is it? But they're a real specific kind of white, like their nationality. They were 100% of whatever the fuck they were. And I'll tell you right now, I didn't like them. All right? And my inner old man was starting to come out like, ah! They're going to ruin the neighborhood. It's weird. When you buy a house, you just suddenly become really conservative. Before, when I rented, I didn't give a shit if there was a homeless guy jerking off on the street. I thought it was funny. Look at that guy right outside my window. Who needs cable when that guy's sitting there rubbing one out? Oh, look at the lady running. It was great. But once you buy, you every fucking little thing. Oh, there's a pothole down the street. It needs to be covered. I did the other day. That's how old I am. I called 311 for the first time in my life. 311, can we help you, please? Now, listen here. There's <laughs> that old guy. You know, old people bitch. Old people bitch like they, you already heard the point nine times. You know? Welcome to 311. What can we help you with? This pothole is still not covered. I, I don't know which one you're talking about. Crazy old man. Crazy, freckly old man, Bill. Um, yeah, so I'm doing the podcast late today. And uh, you know why I'm doing it late today? Because I recorded one and it wasn't funny. And I have a certain level of quality control. I had to go get some nourishment. And at the end of the day, I'll do this thing whenever the fuck I damn well please. All right, so all you Twitter cunts, you TCs out there, if you want to keep fucking writing to me and bitch moaning and complaining, just know this, I don't give a shit. You know, I know why you keep bitching at me, because there's this new culture now where you have to apologize for nothing. 
Is that what you're waiting for me to do? Do you want me to go on on Twitter and issue an apology? I find it offensive that he calls it the Monday morning podcast, and when he records it, it's his Monday morning and not mine. I feel it's false. Go fuck yourself. That's what this week was. This was a week of watching people that I'm huge fans of having to apologize or semi-apologize or finesse for, for, for nothing. Absolutely nothing. Fred Willard. Who doesn't like Fred Willard? You know? He allegedly rubbed one out or something, touched himself in a lewd way. Lewd's such a great word, isn't it? That really just sounds like what the fuck it is. Lewd. You know? Crude. Anything ood is not good. Right? Zood. Is there another word? Lewd, crude. Mood. Ah, mood could be. Ah, shut up, Bill. What are you trying to do? Some fucking Seinfeld bit here? Why? Is everything that goes ood? Never goes ood? Um, yeah, lewd. Lewd just sounds like you're touching your fucking balls, doesn't it? <laughs> A lewd act. That should, like, come with that sound effect. Your Honor, the uh, suspect is being charged with two counts of a lewd act. Right? And you got to, like, act it out as you say it. No? Well, you would in my court, um, in my fantasy court that I have. <laughs> For more of Mr. Burr, go to BillBurr.com slash podcast or pick him up on iTunes. The Internet is allowing for some really interesting things to happen in podcasting that would be very expensive to pull off in traditional media. Last episode, for example, I played a clip from when I co-hosted The D-Head Factor with host Dabs in Canberra, Australia, and me being in Mill Valley, California. This show, we have a clip from a show that does something similar all the time. It's called Toggle the Switch with American co-host Susan Weigmans in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and her counterpart Carl Mack, who hails from Adelaide, South Australia. The other voice you'll hear is their guest, Rob Flanagan, and, well, I'm, I'm not sure where he's from. How are your pet resorts over there? I'm just going to throw this out there. <laughs> we do have some pet resorts, actually. Do you? Do they have yes. live resort radio? No. No? Well, guess what? This is where I get all my TV from, is from that app I at the gym. Cannot, <laughs> I cannot believe they have something that they broadcast. Oh, yep. For, is it for the pets to hear or people? Oh, well, see, there's different things. Pet Resort Australia, one word, dot com. <laughs> Is there only one? Uh, oh, well, it looks like it. Yeah, well, I mean, you can subscribe to their Twitter feed on Facebook, or you can listen to their radio. So this <laughs> Now, um, do they have an after dark section? <laughs> Talk about bitches. <laughs> and pussies. Dogs bitches and cats. And Dogs and cats <laughs> having sex. I'm going to shave your pussy. <laughs> yeah, she does. Oh, my God. She does need a bit of a trim. <laughs> oh, it is winter. <laughs> what? I'm talking about pet resort. Oh, right. well, earlier in the news, I saw Wayne Newton being charged with sexual harassment and animal abuse, and I couldn't help if it was the same case. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, did they mention if it was a dog or a cat? Uh, apparently, it was a penguin. A penguin? Yes, I couldn't read the whole article, but they brought up a South American penguin. I'm like, hmm, I don't think I want to fuck that. It seems like it'd be kind of hard to hold on to because it's kind of, you know, I'm making a motion in front of my crotch area. The like, less slippery. Yeah, it'd be slippery and it, there's nothing. Yeah, well, that's I guess half the fun. You could get a hold of those little flipper wings, though, and just go to town. I, you should see the motions I'm making. It's oh. terrible. You can reenact happy feet <laughs> on your crotch. Yes. Happy fuck. <laughs> the porn version of happy feet. Have you it's ever... still an animated movie. <laughs> that is Awful. And surprisingly, still from, with Robin Williams. How did we get from Amish people to animal porn? Well, we would how talk didn't we get from Amish people to <laughs> animal porn? Well, That's a logical progression. Yeah, it does seem kind of logical to me, too. <laughs> my animal resort, my pet resort. Yes. Dude, that, I'm going to have to look that up. A team of caring animal lovers who will take excellent care of your... I bet they do. <laughs> how, was, how was Schnookums? Fucking great. Dirty, uh, so, Dirty little bitch. <laughs> so she gets a great night's sleep on a trampoline bed and wake up every mo every morning with a cuddle. That's a nice. 
<laughs> people are dying of starvation, and these get a trampoline bed. Yep. So we've got uh, ice block treats for those hot afternoons. Ooh. Ooh. And that's that's not to eat. That's just for the resort workers to rub on the, the nipples. Uh, <laughs> but, Carl, admit it. If you were given a trampoline bed, you would still go, oh, fuck the dying people. I've got a trampoline bed yeah. right Yeah. I can bounce on this fucker. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But... Oh, those starving kids. Wee! <laughs> <laughs> I could swim in the 14-meter lap pool on one of what? The, on one of those warm summery days. Or go for they a, have a those right now. They've got a lap pool for yep. the animals. You are not looking at Actually, it's a lab pool. It's just full Labrador retrievers. do they just throw the cats in there? They no, no, no. There's a guy it. with a lead walking. Just go to the website. It's all there. It's Interesting. a long pool, probably about six foot wide, and oh. it's well, 14 meters long. And literally, there's a guy walking along with a lead okay. while he does his exercise. Yeah, it's insane. And the fact the advert on the mm-hmm. TV, I thought I was actually looking at an advert for a restaurant because the guy that was cooking, he's cooking. These are things that eat their own shit. But the guy that was cooking was in a full chef's white. Sliced steak, and even put the fact that you know the the obligatory herb on the top. Oh no way! Like a little parsley garnish or something. Yep. yep. Oh Jesus Christ! And you can't help but wonder if these people are thinking, "What did I do with my life?" <laughs> but here's the great. Well, at least I get to fuck the cat. Yep. <laughs> or the penguin. I've got an iPad, you see. So the great news is that I can talk live with my pet. Resort radio, you want to listen to the resort? <laughs> Unbelievable. Absolutely. Do they take all pets? Oh. I mean, do they take, like, guinea pigs and birds and shit? Um, only if they're sociable. <laughs> so I've got no idea. I've got no idea. But it's like... um. It's like thirty odd dollars a day, so I don't know. I don't even know whether that's expensive or not. Now, can we go stay there? Thirty dollars a day seems pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. I can get my swimming. I can get some. Yep. Get a young lady to put a collar on me and drag me around on all fours. Yeah. steak. I, yep. Submerge me till I'm half drowned and then pull me yes. up by my throat. Yes. And a, yeah, that's worth thirty dollars a day. And a morning cuddle. <laughs> morning cuddle. Last I saw on websites, that's two hundred bucks an hour. Yeah. No shit. You know what? If you want to catch more of those guys, just do a search on Google for Toggle the Switch podcast. They're over at Libsyn, but their URL is too long for me to read uh, or, or you to write down. So just grab it off of iTunes, uh, which is spelled I, then the word tunes. That's that's easy. Blasting out of New Jersey live every Monday night, then replaying forever on iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. It's Mental Poison. These guys are loud, raucous, and pretty darn entertaining. Uh, it's Marcus, Brian, Bill, Joe, and Monica. Uh, I think there's some other people, too. They seem to be uh, quite a crowd. And I love their title, Mental Poison. In this clip, we get to hear about some of Brian's more recent inventions slash money-making schemes. Uh, while we were at break, uh, before we go into topics, while we were at break, Brian was talking about uh, a couple more of his wonderful business ideas here. Uh, well, I haven't actually got paid to uh, advertise these yet, so that was kind of just thrown on the back. Pay st- you to advertise? I was throwing out on the back stoop, see if the cat licks it up, basically checking out the ideas of these people. Yeah, well, I think from the sound of these ideas, the cat might have vomited them up. Now these are some good ones. Uh, first thing I'm going to do, uh, I got together with about 411 business partners at a Holiday Inn, and I'll tell you, these they had these crumpets there. Anyway, I'm getting off track. The point is, uh, we're going to bring back Furbies. Furbies. Remember Furbies? Yeah, the little... Ar- 1912s, 20s era. Yeah, a little artificial intelligence stuffed animals you could teach things yeah. to. But we're thinking, modern twist, little herpes. No. They're like little cold sores that are fuzzy. For kids. Yeah. And you get to watch the cold sore progress. That's a terrible idea. And full-blown herpes. What parent, what decent parent is going to buy a, a herpes? Hopefully them? lots. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully, but it's not going to happen. Does it come with Neosporin? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm still in the works with Neos, but it might be more like Mio Horan or something. Can't what else? It. You got? That's Neos. a terrible idea. Well, uh, the other one I was thinking was, um, and I'm going to merge these two, I think, but a dog abortion clinic and a home circumcision kit. Jesus Christ. Um, no, because people are, how many times are you on Facebook and somebody's like, oh, I got another litter. Oh, here's another one. It's like, they're going to keep fucking breeding. Stop. 
Yeah, instead of spay and neuter, just murder the unborn children right. of these animals? Well, everyone knows, like, pets are like children to people. Yeah. You know, you don't, they act weird when they get, when they snip the shit. Everyone knows that, or these weird yeah. animal people know that. So you want to be able to have the joy of aborting the dog fetuses? Yes, because they're not going to know they're dogs. Yeah. You just take them away, or you know, you abort them. They're just going to wake up and be like, oh, but he cut their shit. They start acting funny. It's, it's terrible. So. You said you wanted to combine them? Yeah, okay. and, well, the home circumcision kit as the well. home circumcision kit for dogs? Yeah, I feel like you you know it's small enough you can snip the tip of you, and you can also abort a, abort a dog, babe. So I don't know. Circumcising not... your animals? That's a no, yourself. Server. Oh, or maybe the animals too. I don't know. I mean, it's all pink. I don't, what part do you? You're gonna need some serious insurance for the home circumcision kit. Well, funny you say that because uh, I don't have any insurance things. Um, the other thing I was thinking was uh, an extension cord for extension cords. How many times are you sitting there and you got you know if you're like me, you got 411 different consoles. I already used the number 411, didn't I? Yes. All right, I'll go to the real number four. Different consoles, you got a PC there, you got a TV, and your extension cord's only three holes. And you're like, what do I do? You get another extension cord. Or don't buy a new extension cord, buy an extension cord specifically made for extension cords. They already so, have that. It's yeah, called an extension cord. It's called another extension cord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. but no, you <laughs> and I, listen, I didn't tell it right. It's specifically marketed for extension cords. Yeah, like extension cords are. No, extension cords are an extension of the wall socket. They extend the wall socket to you with more prongs. This one won't be able to go into a wall socket because it's much cheaper, and you just put it right into another. Uh, well, it actually kind of blocks most so, of the holes on the extension cord. So let me so. make sure I have this right. Ugh. You plug the extension cord into the wall. No. And then you well the extension right. cord, but the extensions extension cord. You plug into the extension into the, cord. Yep. You couldn't do this with a regular extension cord. So you just you need more outlets, is what you're you saying. didn't think this one through. I don't well, think. Um, you could you could get a strip. What are they called? Oh, here's another one: a Galaxy remote control. Because a lot of people, a universal remote control, it's just bulky. It's confusing. You you know your garage door opens when you try and change the channel. And it's actually never happened. Dumb it down for the normal person. Just a Galaxy remote. It handles one, maybe another smaller TV that orbits the other TV. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, this is another Just, bad idea. Oh, well, will, it, uh, will it control helicopter cats? Yeah. Oh, in that case. Uh, of course it will, won't. Friends at Henderson's Pants, we recognize America's, nay, the world's love for a good pair of blue jeans. Comfortable, casual, and another C word I can't think of just now. But most of the blue jeans on the market today are just so much overhyped, acid-washed, distressed, low-hanging, ill-fitting, poor excuses for denim that Henderson's has reintroduced a true classic, the 100% dungarees. Just like the rough and ready trousers worn by our company's founder, Jebediah Henderson, back in 1827, these dungarees are made from 100% real dung. Through an unique patented process, manure from 17 different species, including water buffalo, sloth, and rhinoceros, is synthesized into the most durable fabric ever to come from feces. So durable, in fact, that there's no punishment these pants can't stand up to, and they'll do it standing on their own. You know, people write in to ask us all the time, quote, how do you get rid of the smell of shit? <clears throat> well, never mind that kind of language isn't fit for proper business communication, let alone the intranet. The answer is simple. We don't. In the words of old Jebediah himself, if the pants didn't smell like dung, what's the point of making them out of dung? Back in the 1800s, people only thought of Henderson's 100% dungarees as only being fit for the farm. But nowadays, of course, with the entire world knee-deep in doo-doo, whether it's the boardroom or in the classroom, from Wall Street to Main Street, anywhere's the place to be in your flagrantly fragrant Henderson's dungalicious 100% dungarees. Originally designed for the farmer in the dell, demons in hell, and Batman smells, Robin laid an egg, Batmobile lost a wheel, and the Joker got away. This is a lot of shit, you know that. If I didn't need this job... <clears throat> That's Henderson's, makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1827, and now back to succotash. It's time for the tweet sack. Oh, there's not much in the tweet sack. 
this week, but a giant shout-out to Travis Clark, the co-host of the Tiny Odd Conversations podcast, for clicking on our donate button at SuccotashShow.com and tossing us a few bones. You're a good man, sir, and everyone should give TOC a listen over at TOCPod.com or iTunes. I was also running a tweet this past week asking people to submit their ATM pin codes for us to make use of. Uh, didn't think anyone would take it seriously till we got a call from JV over at the JV Mail podcast, and he had this to say. Um, hi, this is JV from uh, JV Mail, and uh, my pin code is 2487. Uh, I don't know why you wanted to know, but um, there it is. Um, if you need my card number, that's 4106. Uh, 4106. Two three one nine eighteen eighty eight one eight seven seven. The expiration date is 04-2014. All right. Um, I guess that's it. Talk to you later. Oh, and um, don't use it to um, buy internet porn because that I don't want to deal with a girlfriend. Um, that's it. Bye. And finally, in a segment I'm just going to call Podcast News, this past week saw two new podcast networks come online. One is the Splitsider Podcast Network, and they're featuring shows like You Had to Be There, which is co-hosted by comedians Nikki Glaser and Sarah Schaefer. The Complete Guide to Everything, a weekly podcast that sets out to provide a guide to all possible world knowledge, but usually gets caught up in the minutia of coffee shop etiquette and the host's jealousy of teenagers instead. The Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show uh, brings you interviews you didn't know you needed to hear. The Left-Handed Radio Podcast, it's a fully produced sketch comedy show, released new shows every month. It's That Episode with Craig Rowan. A Funny Thing, which are true hilarious stories of pain, terror, joy, and people shitting their pants. Told live at the Upright, Upright Citizens Brigade Theaters in New York and Los Angeles. Uh, that network is centered on the East Coast. Again, that's the uh, the Splitsider Podcast Network. Over on the left-hand coast, we have comedian Jay Moore, who's taken his fake mustache show, his podcast, and turned it into the fake mustache network of shows. The roster includes... Uh, the Crab Feast with Ryan Sickler and Jay Larson, Talking Shit with Jim Jeffries and Eddie Ift, and a daily sports-oriented podcast, The Joe McDonald Difference. All right, a few more tasty clips to get to, then we'll jump into my chat with young filmmaker Dylan Price as he talks about the new short film he's in the middle of putting together right now. There are so many podcasts out there, just in the comedy segment alone, that I have trouble locating them all. So I'm grateful when the podcasters reach out and take the time to shoot me some info about themselves, with or without a clip. From L.A., the No Pants cast has less than 10 episodes under their no belts so far, but they're taking it seriously, or comedically. Hosts Tim Chismar and Diane Kawasaki, along with their announcer, Cooler Tom Schuler, have guests, boundless conversation with no boundaries, and of course... No pants. Wouldn't that be more interesting if it were true? Maybe. Anyway, I grabbed a few minutes of them with their guest, comedian Steve Maison. You freaking won an Emmy. What was that like for I you? I did win an Emmy. You know, it, it was kind of, uh, kind of, I don't know what the word is. Uh, Bittersweet? A little bit. Definitely bittersweet. Uh, anticlimactic. Uh, from what I, listen, I, I grew up, I love award shows. I know it's uh, it's kind of trendy to not like award shows right now. And, uh, and uh, it's just a bunch of people patting each other. But I don't know why. I just grew up with my mom and my sister. We would watch them and uh, loved it. We'd, you know, save the day. So I, I'm a big fan of the Emmys and the, and the Oscars and stuff like that. And so my Emmy that I won was for uh, writing that I did on the Ellen DeGeneres show. And uh, I was no, now here's the thing. I was no longer with the show when I won the Emmy. So I wasn't even kind of counting on it or thinking of it. Like, so, you know, you always get it for the season before. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? You know, so if they're done in 2012, it's actually for the 2011 season you're, you're winning. So I was gone and working on it and actually doing a bunch of other stuff that it was kind of cool. And then someone just sent me a thing and said, hey, did you know I just read your name? On the nomination list for the Emmys. And then I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. And then, uh, you know, that was just for the nomination. And then I kind of forgot about it for a few months. And then 
I, uh, someone said, hey, Ellen won the Am- You know, I knew you had mentioned that it, you, you were nominated. They they won, so I think you won an Emmy. So then I was like, Whoa. I think I did too. Like, and so what I looked at it. So it was one of those strange things. Like, I didn't watch it. You know, it, it was a daytime Emmy thing too. So they yeah. weren't uh, they weren't shown. Um, it's one of those like when they were the following categories were you know given out earlier tonight. That so kind you of just thing. you got a you signed for a box. It came to your house. And- yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. So eventually uh, the box comes and you it's it's a gigantic box and. Uh, it's a pretty heavy statue. It's a, it's, it's pretty impressive. Like, um, can you bludgeon a small animal with it? Easily, you can you could bludgeon a decent sized animal with it. I have, <laughs> I have, <laughs> I have fought people out. Take it out, take it. Because it's you know the, the the thing you know the Oscar has you know it's it's kind of the uh, you know the guy the mummy almost looking guy right. He's kind of you know statue. He's got it right yeah. the statue. The Emmy is like a, a woman and she's holding a globe and then she's got wings out the back and they're very pointy Ooh. like wings. So you could you could really hurt someone with an Emmy. If, if, if you listen, if people are listening at home, uh-huh. if you ever get in a fight and you have to choose your weapon, choose you would think Oscar because it, it seems like a bigger. You would think yeah. Either you choose the Oscar, don't choose the Emmy. The Emmy's the better weapon, and yeah. I don't even know about the Tony or the Grammy. The Grammy, I don't think that's what are you gonna beat someone with a megaphone. No, you go go Emmy. The wings are very sharp. That's what you want. Hey, I got a friend in the ghetto. He sold me a Grammy. <laughs> Fight everybody. That's me. I'm over here. Uh, don't talk about my Grammy. That, that's why I don't have any. <laughs> she Emmy. raised uh, me since I was a little kid, and I don't appreciate it. You can get No More Pants or More No Pants at the nopantscast.com, iTunes, and also on YouTube, which is how you can tell they got no pants because they're, they're actually on video. So uh, there you go. Look for them there. Here's another show that I'm just now getting turned on to. The Hustle is up to 22 episodes, and co-host Will Gilman dropped me a line and a clip from episode 21. It's one of what I prefer to think of as those shooting-the-shit shows. But with only two hosts, things don't get horribly out of hand in terms of over-talking. Here's the blurb from their home site, StolenDesk.com, on what's going on. Hosts Will Gilman, Adam Tucker, and their rotating panel of comics, musicians, and whomever whomever else they can get for free proceed to discuss the week that was and whatever else is on their minds. It's comedy, current events, criticism, and catastrophe, all tossed into a blender and made smooth for your enjoyment. Want more of The Hustle? You can also get them on iTunes and Ustream. Well, I just uh, started talking to a new woman on uh, from OKCupid.com. Three weeks later, we'll hear about this. Yeah, this 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 could only end in in tears. I don't think I taught her how to listen to the show, so could let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> could be tears of joy. So part of me wanted her to download the Stitcher app so we can make the money off of the promo code. <laughs> she she sent me a message on the OKCupid, and we were talking today before I came here. She's like, oh, by the way, do you mind tattoos? And I'm like, no, I don't I don't mind tattoos. She says, I have one on my forehead. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> she Charlie Manson? I, she might I know, she's not allowed to have a computer. No, I, 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 I honestly was, I had to bite myself to not ask her if it was a swastika. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah. What if it's just what a tattoo of a forehead? Uh, no, I, I didn't ask. I was too scared. I was too busy, like summoning my powers of acting. How could you not ask? It's on her. It's it's on her face. Yeah, and that that's not on her on her profile pictures on on the thing. Otherwise, I might have been like, "Hey, you're a freaky tattoo forehead, bitch." But <laughs> I hope she does know how to listen. I hope she doesn't know how to listen. I'm, I'm really hoping. There's a reason I haven't tried to find her on the Facebook. What's so, her name? Yeah, what's I, her name? I, I don't know her last name. Uh, so, and I'm not going to tell you her first. Uh, so, yeah, she summer. she asks me, Do you, you know, I have a tattoo on my forehead. Does that scare you? And I had to summon like all of my powers of acting to say no. <laughs> what, 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 did you ask? Why wouldn't you ask what it is? Why would that not cross your mind? I would oh, be like, no, that was the first thing that crossed my mind. Okay, but you were, you didn't want to. I didn't want to seem like I was freaked out. I'm gonna lie. I don't even know this chick, and I'm gonna lie awake all night, just going, "What the fuck could she have had on her fucking forehead?" Like, part of me really hopes it's an eye. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> no matter where you are in the room, it yeah, she you. sees me. <laughs> this is a first date. I noticed you noticed my eye. 
It sees all that you do. It's just so a setup. It's just a red me. dot so every guy she's with. <laughs> Get down! <laughs> <laughs> just a nice laser beam tattoo. <laughs> so I'm expecting this to end in tears. Uh, but she, so far, like, talking to her, she's been nothing but wonderful. So I, I almost didn't want to talk about it here in case I, in case she knows how to listen. But then part of me could just couldn't, you know, keep my mouth shut about a, the woman with the forehead tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like another one of those Norwegian author books. Like yeah. the girl with the dragon, like... No, that will be the next one. That would hurt like a son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. like, I'm good with pain. Like, I've broken shit before. But I can't imagine sitting in a chair and asking somebody and handing them American currency and saying, here, take my $100 and tattoo this thing on my face. Yeah, I just can't. just tattooed money, then it's yeah. money well spent. Maybe, maybe this is a test. Maybe she was just, maybe it's like some girls will be like, at least I've heard some girls be like, "Oh, I, I have a, I have herpes. Do you want to be with me still? Oh. Maybe it's a test. Maybe it's like, I got a forehead tattoo. That's she's just, just waiting to see what you field. say. That's definitely that's, a left I've yeah. never heard of that. N- neither had I. Because like I'm already like I like like I'm not anti-tattoo. <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm not either. But yeah. if it's on a chick, like I'd want it to look nice, and I, it would be cool if it looked cool and yeah. accentuated her positives. If it's just like a big arrow pointing down to her unibrow, <laughs> I don't know if I maybe can it is a unibrow. Just yeah, it just tattoos it in. But like, ta- like cleavage tattoos usually annoy me because like that that would be like painting over the Mona Lisa. You know what I mean? Well, Depending on where it is. I mean, well, if, if they're right. above, yeah. I don't know. I just I saw know. a picture of a really hot chick on Facebook that had a nice tattoo all the way up and down her body. Wow. I don't know. I actually haven't met her in person, so I don't know how that's going to go. And if she knows how to listen to the show, I probably won't meet her in person. Because <laughs> she'll have heard me call her a tattoo bitch and be like, no, that's not happening. But I mean, I mean tattoo bitch in like the most fond way. Uh, yeah. Like with, with rose petals. You I know. can see in your eyes that... <laughs> There's a twinkle. Like, I want to know what the fuck it is on her forehead. I do. No, me too. I'm just going to walk around, and if I I see a chick walking around that has something on her forehead, I'm going to be like, tattooed bitch, right? (laughs) Before I get into this interview with filmmaker Dylan Price, I I need to apologize to Dylan. He had a campaign up on Indiegogo to raise money to fund the short we're going to be talking about, and try as I might, I could not get this episode done in time to do him any good. So I did kick him in 50 bucks to his Indiegogo account to uh, to help him out, but he still fell a little shy of the $500 he was hoping to bring in. Now, he was just trying to make $500, uh, and unlike Kickstarter.com, he actually does get the money that he did raise, which is nice. Um, if you'd like to help Dylan out after you listen to our interview, I'll tell you how to do that. I can get some money to him if you want to get it to me, and I won't even take a percentage No, I'll give him everything you give me. I'll tell you what. Let's listen to the interview. I'll tell you how you can help out right afterwards. I am here with Dylan Price, and Dylan is a young filmmaker. (laughs) And uh, Dylan, uh, you are currently uh, in the throes of trying to put a new project together. I am, um, and that project is Gardofsky, which is um, basically a. It's I'm starting as a you know as a young filmmaker. I'm starting off you know basic, where I'm making short films and uh, nothing more than you know twenty minutes at max, which is still pretty long, at least for me. Um, but uh, it's a you know sixteen seventeen minute short film about uh, a kid named Gardofsky who um, basically discovers that he was meant to be some sort of superhero slash karate master who okay. fights crime and saves the planet. What kid hasn't gone through that, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, um, basically, it's about... So, he figures that out and instantly thinks, this is, you know, I'm meant to do this. So, he shaves his head. He wears karate belts around him to represent his karate skills, I guess. And um, and uh, he tells his friends about it. He's like, uh, you know, something spe- something's weird happened in my head you know I got this weird sense that I was you know I I feel like wow I'm amazing at karate I, I there's nothing else that makes sense for me to do other than fight crime and save the world and so <laughs> his friends think you know of course like are you are you joking like are you on something right now <laughs> or um 
I will ask you to spell Gardowski. Okay. Uh, just because I have the same problem with Succotash, the yeah. name of the show. People often don't know how to spell it. So uh, since you are attempting to raise some funds for this, how do yeah. you spell it? G-A-R-D-O-F-S-K-I. He says, looking at the computer screen. Yeah. Uh, and I say computer screen because uh, you are uh, attempting to raise your funds through Indiegogo. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So if people want to find your um, your account, uh, now I found it because I know your name's Dylan Price, and that's what I put into the search box, yeah. and Gardofsky came up. So you can do that as well, if you'd like. Now, I'm hoping to get this interview on before the time runs out on your uh, campaign. When you say young filmmaker, Dylan, how old are you? I'm currently 16. And how long have you been making movies? I have been making movies ever since I was eight, um, and... And this is kind of come, coming to uh, Gardofsky. It's kind of like, Gardofsky's kind of like me in a way, because um, Gardofsky feels like he was born to be a karate master. And uh, ever since I was eight, I felt like I was born, and nothing else makes sense other than to be a filmmaker since I was eight. So, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, do you remember what the first film is that you made? The first film I ever made? Um, well, I... Uh, like a single project, you know, everyone who does film goes through this phase at the very beginning of their, you know, exploration and stuff where they just film anything. Mm-hmm. Like they film, like talking in a car and they're just, you know, goofing around with their friends and stuff. And so that, that happened for a little while. And that was on, you know, the we're such a horrible camera. And, uh, but it was really fun at the time. Um, but the first film, like I actually put work into... Um, the first film, I think, was uh, a stop motion. I kind of dabbled in stop motion for a little Mm -hmm. bit. And it was basically just uh, one of my action figures dancing. Okay. And that's the closest thing to, you know, first thing. That's a humble start. Did the the film either at the time or after the fact have a title of any sort? I think it was just dancing. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um... So you had this uh, this camera, and we're shooting things of your friends. What what was it? Do you think that sort of bit you with the the desire to make movies? Well, I used to be a huge Tim Burton fan, and um, that's... Back, back when you were a young man. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, you know, I loved Nightmare Before Christmas so much, and uh, I thought it was just like that's so cool because you know I I just I guess I was born with the liking stories like so much, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Who doesn't like a good story? Sure. And, um, and I guess at the time, I was like, I, I just want to be a filmmaker. And that's, I don't see any reason to be anything else. And so that kind of stuck. And then when I was older, I'm like, I don't see the reason in changing that. So I kept going and making film, and I just loved to do it. And so what bit me was basically storytelling. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically that. Um, even in the eight years that you've been doing movie making, uh, the technology has um, advanced in tremendous leaps and bounds. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so for you to, I, I believe your target uh, for your campaign is just to raise $500? Yeah. So what kind of equipment do you have that you can make a film for $500? Well, <laughs> if, um, if we were to completely add up everything I've bought from the past... It would be a much bigger budget um, because, you know, I bought the camera about a year or two ago okay. and that wasn't the cheapest thing in the world. What, um, what kind of camera are you using? Um, it's like a DSLR. It's a really nice... Um, <laughs> there it is. Oh, okay. Um, what is it called? It's um, the Sony NX cam. Uh-huh. Um, it's a, it's a, I'm very honored to be able to use this camera and uh, to know a very generous grand grandma ah, <laughs> okay, uh, good. nice enough to help out with that <laughs> but That's um nice. it really has allowed me to um create films that i kind of see in my head instead of you know seeing this image in my head and go okay i want to make that and then i make it into a camera and i'm like wow the quality is so bad i can hardly see what it is but um, now with this camera i can you know it's basically creating art and you know see it in my head and create exactly that yeah now, as a as a filmmaker, what happens in a film where all of a sudden you realize, hey, I've been swept up in the story and I'm not focusing on the techniques. I'm not focusing on the equipment. Yeah. Um, oh, that happens so much. It's <laughs> oh my. Literally every movie that I see, I get caught up in the whole thing. Like it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> like uh, even though now after you know a year after it came out or how long it was two years. Um, after I saw Avatar, mm-hmm. um, I'm not the not the huge, the biggest biggest fan of uh, 
that movie. But um, when I right when I came out of the theater, it was just so awe-inspiring that I kind of came out of the theater a little depressed, going, how am I ever going to create something like that? Because I was thinking, oh, this is look, the te- technology is amazing, mm-hmm. and storytelling was pretty good. But then, you know, and then I'm like, hmm, you know, it was fine. It was great. <laughs> but um, the day after when I woke up. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, I can't think of any movie where... I, I don't know, maybe this is a problem, but I can never think of a movie where I don't get caught up in like the technical side of everything. And mm-hmm. then what I find, what I love, when if I ever become a big director, what I want to do um, definitely is, a, um, which you know all directors do, is just get caught up in um, the people you, who are working for you and uh, kind of you know create friends and just kind of create this community because you know you're all artists and you're all creating this thing that you all love to create, which is movies. <laughs> and, um, so, so you haven't run into any studio executives yet, no, which is the, no, the, no. the other part of actually getting a big movie made. Yeah. And those people are not terribly creative. No. <laughs> uh, but, but they're they're a necessary evil, so it's a good thing you're sur- working to surround yourself with uh, artistic types. <laughs> I'm aware of them. At yeah. this stage of your development, <laughs> because you will need them. Yeah. Later yeah. on in the, co- in the battles to come. I could imagine, yeah. Um, so... Uh, what do you propose that you'll be doing with uh, Gardofsky when it gets completed? Where is it going to show? Um, well, for sure the internet. Um, I have mm. a YouTube account. Um, and the YouTube account, um, I'm a, <laughs> it, kind of one of my pet peeves is putting an XX and then the name and then XX like in a you know username and a website. But I had to resort to it when I was creating this. So what is the YouTube name of page. your channel? It's XX Dylan Price XX. Okay. All <laughs> right. Yeah. And how many uh, how many things do you have up on there right now? Right now, I have three films, and then the fourth uh, clip on there is just a funny moment that happened during a uh, class in uh, high school mm. that my friend recorded. So that I don't know if that would count at all. But uh, sure. well, the other three something are, to watch. Yeah, there we go. Um, a good so you go to the internet, um, and then uh, what about film festivals, things like that? Yeah. Um, Film festivals for sure because um, you know everyone that, that's spreading the word and um, people are going wow I really like that or uh, you know just spreading it as far as possible and uh, it's really fun to go see those and know it's out there and uh, stuff like that. Yeah. To get back into the technical side for a second because a lot of my listeners are podcasters and one of the things podcasters enjoy talking about is the technology, what microphones they use, what mixers they use, things like that. Yeah. And uh, a lot of those people are also filmmakers, and we have filmmakers that listen to the podcast. Um, once you're done actually shooting your movie, what uh, what do you use to edit with? Um, sound or video? Uh, both. Both. Um, well, currently, actually, uh, now that I think about it, I think I edit all of my stuff on Final Cut Pro. Okay. Um, uh, I wish, if I had, if I had more money, I would uh, got, I'd get, um, what is it called? It's some sort of, you know audio editing program something that is dedicated like towards Pro the, Tools or Pro something? Tools that's what okay. it is I'd get that but you know rough right now um, over the years and years I've been working it's uh, I've managed to get by just going on Final Cut Pro that's good is there anything going on in the film industry that, that you see that is either uh, a sign of hope for young filmmakers or things that make it look like it's becoming more daunting to get your material out there? Oh, I love that question um I'm a huge, huge fan of YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, I, ha- I haven't watched TV for maybe three, four years or something. Um, it misses you. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, yeah, it was mentioning me. you the other night. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, basically, uh, I don't, you know, so I don't watch TV, and I only watch YouTube now. Um, that's kind of become my TV because there are these people who connect with their audience all the time and, like, almost nonstop, at least the people I watch. And, um and uh, they create this content like weekly or even sometimes daily and it's such a good source of entertainment and basically the good part about it is they're all just regular people Mm -hmm. Um, and um, if they're not regular people they started out as regular people and through YouTube became huge and then you know I I know some people who've created their own TV shows who've gotten a movie deal off of YouTube and they started so low but then you know yeah. They went up and they make some really good stuff that I just love to watch. Now, have you made connections uh, solely through YouTube, perhaps, or other uh, sort of web places with other filmmakers? Um, currently not. I've tried many times. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm so low on the filmmaker chain at the moment <laughs> that uh, it's I have to work towards that. So mm-hmm. um, once I get my YouTube uh, 
thing going. Um, and if that takes off, then, you know, uh, the higher ranked you are on YouTube, the closer you can get to speaking with those people. And, you know, um, because there are people on YouTube that I, you know, I just love to work with that. I even in some cases I would love to work with more than I would love to work with like Steven Spielberg oh, in, really? in you know, ways because but, of the inventive things they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. And the, you know, independent, uh, filmmaking aspect of mm -hmm. what they do. Since you are 16, you're obviously still in school. Mm -hmm. um, how does that either help or hinder your uh, creative process? I would say about a year ago, I was like, eh, I'm done with high school. There's no, I don't see any purpose in going anymore. But, um, uh, you know, I've learned to accept it. <laughs> but, um, uh, but basically, uh, school... Well, it's about to change this year because there's a media academy, a uh, media program that I'm going to take this coming junior year, um, okay. which hopefully will um, create this better, you know, filmmaker zone within, um, you know, my regular school day. So that will be a different thing that I can't really talk about since I haven't done it yet. <laughs> um, uh, but in the past, um, I was just... <laughs> It was so hard to get film done and um, to kind of find my priorities of what I should do because, you know, there's schoolwork and then there's what I love to do is filmmaking. Right. And uh, so you got to choose between what you love to do and a math sheet. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just, just to share with you my experience being a, a screenwriter because uh, I always found school to be rather grating and a waste of my time, or so <laughs> I thought at the time. Yeah. But I've... Uh, I've learned since then, uh, since I stayed in school, I learned this lesson while I was in school, mm -hmm. that, as you said, it's all about storytelling. Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah. I think one of the things that some artists suffer is they forget that they're supposed to be telling stories about something. Mm -hmm. And I, so I think we see them truncating their abilities when all of a sudden you see these movies coming out of Hollywood that are about making movies. Like it's a movie about some guy making a film or something. You realize their life experience stopped short yeah. at, the art, at the artistic table. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, they, they quit school and they got totally into filmmaking, but they have nothing to make a story about that real people can connect to because traditionally movies about movie making mm -hmm. do very poorly hmm. in Hollywood because yeah. nobody can really relate to yeah, that yeah. world. So it's, uh, it's a good thing you've resigned yourself to your uh, academia uh -huh. so you can uh, have uh, more grist for your storytelling mill. I yeah, think. definitely. I agree. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do about things like uh, soundtrack, music, things like that? Have you thought about that for this movie? Um, soundtrack. Uh, well, in the past, there's one... Actually, actually, sorry. Actually, there is one person on YouTube that I have gotten in contact with, and uh, his name is David Firth. Mm -hmm. And he makes the most twisted cartoons ever, and they're so creepy, but I have... <laughs> that explains why I, I liked, you know... Nightmare Before Christmas when I was eight years Obviously, old. Yeah. Um, but uh, he he makes something called Salad Fingers and uh, mm, stuff. Mm -hmm. You've maybe heard of them. Uh, I have, yeah. Um, and uh, so I've just loved his stuff ever since I was eight. And, you know, I had a PJ shirt that uh, I wore when I went to bed <laughs> that had Salad Fingers on. And so um, I love, I've, I've loved him. And then I think about a year ago, no, actually it was this Christmas, um, I emailed him and I had made a, a short that is on my YouTube account called Today's Youth, and it's the first episode. And actually, two pieces of his music appear in both episodes. Oh, but, okay. Um, but I got into contact with him, and I said, uh, and he makes he's like a really you know hipster band. No one knows about him and stuff. But I like his music. Um, and I said, uh, Hey, can I use one of your songs for my film? And he responded back in like thirty minutes. And he lives all the way in England. And uh -huh. I, I don't know. Yeah, but uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, go for it. And I'm like, oh, awesome. And then you know, for the next film, Today's Youth Two, I said, can I use it again? And he's like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, yeah, awesome. So, so are you planning to possibly use something of his for your movie? It's very possible. Um, I'm gonna look into what I can find. Uh, you know, more popular music wise, mm -hmm. if I can manage in you know maybe a song that uh, like a classic rock song or mm. something but you know it gets so yeah, expensive the rights or, to get that stuff is yeah very hard. so it's very yeah. doubtful but you know well i think you're dabbling in the right arena with youtube and whatnot i mean i use a lot of music on succotash comedy music and i just reach out to the artists that mm -hmm, that yeah. record it and say hey i would like to play your song on the show and i've never had anybody go no i don't want anyone to hear my music <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone's like oh yeah totally yeah, yeah so it's just a question of trying to find the right sound for what you're doing yeah i yeah. guess it can get tough but it's any advice for people perhaps your age or younger who are just finding their way into filmmaking in terms of how to 
move their way into actually getting productions done. I mean, obviously getting a, a quality camera is, is part of the equation. Mm-hmm. Um, but what other sort of tricks have you learned to get your stuff done? Get my stuff done. Well, uh, speaking about the camera thing that you just said, um, if I'm giving advice to an upcoming filmmaker or something, I would say settle with what any camera you have. Um, don't think you have to buy a very nice camera because that's not true at all because, um, you know, think of Blair Witch Project um, mm-hmm. that was made with, you know, a really old camera, probably not like a really old camera during that time, but um, it was made with, just think about now compared to now. Sure. And, uh, it's, you know, the quality is so horrible. And um, and even, and I heard a story that uh, the sound, like the um, the sound in the film, the original film, was so bad that the, studios picked it up and said oh we need to fix the sound and then the movie will be really good so just record with what you have even if it has to do with sound and all that stuff no matter how bad it is and just create a good story um the story is the most it's like the heart of the whole project Mm -hmm. and once you have like a good heart you can people will go oh that's a good heart i like that let's uh help that out and uh you know um stuff will start to happen so just start from the very as low as you possibly you know start low from where you are and then just expressing your storytelling through what you have, you're able to go up and up and up and buy nicer cameras and nicer equipment and stills. Yeah. Um, are there classic filmmakers that you have either studied or admired in terms of technique uh, or the way that, I mean, you mentioned Spielberg earlier, but are there, uh, you must be at least somewhat a, a student of, of the form. So, so what sort of filmmakers do you think have influenced you? Oh, there are so many. Um, I would say my top, what were my top three? The other day I was thinking about this. Um, for sure, number one, Quentin Tarantino, no doubt. And has, that has never changed for hmm. like two years. Um, so Quentin Tarantino, because of his storytelling and his technique, because he's able to create like a super intense action scene out of just dialogue. And it's, I find people hard, hardly do that ever. Um, so I respect him for that. Um, and then Martin Scorsese, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Paul Thomas Anderson, mm-hmm. um, who created uh, There Will Be Blood and Boogie Nights and stuff like that. Um, I just love his films. And I could go on, but uh, <laughs> there, oh, I, studied, uh, yeah, I studied people like that so much. And I, you know, I used to love Tim Burton, but his most recent stuff isn't my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> but um, his old stuff is some of the best. Um. So what is it, since you mentioned Burton, what is it about his latest stuff that that has sort of moved you away from him? Is it his ability to tell a story? Is it something about his technique has changed? In a way, he's lost his touch um, because his old stuff... Because um, I see now, uh, I feel like... I, I don't want to bash Disney or anything, but I, I find when I talk about film, Disney is always my arch enemy. Oh, you can bash them. Okay. <laughs> Good. Nobody Good. there listens to this podcast. <laughs> Go ahead. But um, I feel like, like it also in Pixar, Disney has kind of moved their way into what they do because, uh, you know, uh, Disney helps Tim Burton with everything that he does now. And um, Pixar, um, you know, is the Pixar or Disney owns Pixar. Right. And they've managed their way in there, and uh, they've kind of, kind of put their storytelling in there. Where I remember, uh, I forget who I forget the director of Finding Nemo, um, but uh, he said that uh, when they were starting Pixar, they were telling uh, their people who worked there because um, you know all the animated films back then had a song and there were musicals mm-hmm. and were all happy and stuff. And when they were deciding what kind of films they wanted to make, they said, "We don't need songs. We don't need." We don't need happy films, and so even though you know Pixar films aren't dark sure. or anything, but uh, um, you know the end of Toy Story three was yeah, the darkest pretty dark. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, but um, and but then you know when Disney got involved, they kind of snuck their way in. They go, oh, let's add a couple more songs mm-hmm. in there, and they kind of moved their way in there. And so yeah. I noticed most recently in Brave, their new the newest Pixar mm-hmm. movie, um, there was a song at the very beginning, and right when that hit, I'm like. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but luckily I like that movie. That was pretty good, other than the song. But um, uh, and then to go back to Tim Burton. Um, luckily he hasn't had to add any songs to his newest <laughs> films. But um, uh, the storytelling has kind of decreased in um, in I don't know. There's I can't really say exactly what it is. But Tim Burton used to have this kind of 
thing that no one else had where he had this kind of twist on something but mm -hmm. also was able to entertain you know any age because you know night before christmas well i think i think part of it is uh i mean not to get into a discussion about tim burton's movie making but <laughs> i think part of it is that he has moved away from telling his stories yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's he's begun appropriating other properties i mean you yeah. know he's doing willy wonka he's doing mm -hmm. uh dark shadows exactly he's doing right. all these movies that are other pro and he's yes he's putting his touch on them but yeah. he still has to hold true to a certain core that those stories already had yeah uh, it would be like doing a story about uh, Sleeping Beauty and just decide Sleeping Beauty what shouldn't be in it. You still got to put her in there. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's part of it that he's not telling his stories yeah. anymore. He's telling his version of other stories, and maybe that's where things don't feel quite right. Yeah, I, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, sorry, Tim Burton. Sorry, Tim. He doesn't listen either. I don't care. <laughs> um, so once again, tell us uh, where people can go to help out uh, with your film, which is called. Um, Gardofsky on Indiegogo. Um, you can just type in www.indiegogo.com slash Gardofsky. Um, and then you said... Uh, or just go to Indiegogo and type Dylan Price exactly. into the search box. Yeah. Uh, and you'll find it. Um, and uh, again, you're only $100 away from your goal. I, by the time this podcast gets up, you may have already reached it. We'll yeah. see what happens. But uh, every bit of publicity helps. And Definitely. Uh, if nothing else, we can turn some people onto your uh, your YouTube page. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, which again is XX Dylan Price XX. You got it. Is your yeah. name <laughs> over on YouTube. So check that out. Great. Well, Dylan, thanks for talking to us. And uh, good luck with your project. And we will do what we can at Succotash to, to get you over the top. Thank you so much. Sure, thank you. Awesome. Nice kid. Since Dylan is still working on his film, if you do feel moved to help him out, you can jump up to our site, SuckatashShow.com, click on our Donate button. Just include a note, because I think you can put a memo or something when you uh, donate. Uh, and uh, whatever you want to pass me to pass along to Dylan, and I will go ahead and give it that, him that in the form of delicious cash. So thank you, Dylan Price, for your time. And again, if you want to help him out, jump up on our site, SuckatashShow.com, click the donate button, and I will do the rest for you. Closing out our show as per usual is our Burst of Durst with raging moderate political comedian Will Durst. What's up, Mitt Will, this time? Here he goes. Hey, guys. Will Durst here, wishing Mitt Romney the heartiest of welcomes home. He's got to be more relieved than a Midwestern corn farmer in the middle of a thunderstorm to be back on American soil. The GOP nominee embarked on a goodwill trip designed to raise his foreign policy bona fides, but the six-day charm offensive proved to be a bit light on the charm and rather heavy on the offensive. On the first stop in Great Britain, he managed to pretty much insult the whole country. Romney told interviewers he thought security problems surrounding the Olympics were a bit disconcerting. And all hell broke loose. It was exactly what the papers over there were saying, but they didn't want to hear it from an outsider. Prime Minister David Cameron responded that London was a busy world-class city, not in the middle of nowhere, which some took as a snub to Romney, who famously ran the 2002 Winter Olympics. But as we all know, Salt Lake City isn't in the middle of nowhere, it's in Utah. The gaff train moved on to the Middle East, where Mr. Romney said Israel's financial acumen and culture gave it a major advantage over Palestine, which sort of ticked off the Palestinians. Not to mention a couple of Israelis who thought he called them thrifty. As the trip ended in Poland, everyone held their breath. But the only thing that happened there was an aide told the reporter to stop peppering the candidate with questions because they were at a holy site for polls. And to emphasize the sanctity of the joint, he told the reporter to kiss his butt. Only well, he didn't say but, he said the word that rhymes with class, which is obviously bereft. Britain, Israel, and Poland. Not what you would call the group of death. Imagine the degree of difficulty in diplomatic terms rates about a negative two. But at least he stuck his dismount. For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Lots more Durst to be had at WillDurst.com. He also tweets as at Will Durst. That's W-I-L-L-D-U-R-S-T. Could I have spelled that any more awkwardly? I don't think so. That's going to finish up Epi 31 in one neat, tidy bundle. We will be back next time if all goes according to plan, not only in Studio P with engineer producer Joe Polino and another Boozin' with Bill segment, but also with an in-studio special guest, Mr. Phil Lairness, from the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour podcast. And he's going to be passing judgment on the clips we have in that episode, as only he can. Anything else I can do for you? No? 
Okay, then. Until next time, remember to please pass the succotash. You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com or at Suckatash Show on iTunes and even at Suckatash Show on your smartphone Stitcher app. Follow Suckatash on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Friend Suckatash on Facebook. Email us at marc at SuckatashShow.com or just pick up that phone and give Suckatash a ring at 1-818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino at Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash. <laughs>